Ezekiel chapter 2 and verse number 1. The Bible says, And he said unto me, Son of man, stand upon thy feet, and I will speak unto thee. And the Spirit entered into me when he spake unto me, and set me upon my feet, and I heard him that spake unto me. And he said unto me, Son of man, I send thee to the children of Israel, to a rebellious nation that hath rebelled against me. They and their fathers have transgressed against me, even unto this very day. For they are impudent children and stiff-hearted. I do send thee unto them, and thou shalt say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God. And they, whether they will hear or whether they will forbear, for they are a rebellious house, yet shall they know that there hath been a prophet among them. And thou, son of man, be not afraid of them, neither be afraid of their wor words, their briars, and though briars and thorns be with thee, and thou doest well among scorpions, be not afraid of their words, nor, nor be dismayed of their looks, though they be a rebellious house. And thou shalt speak my words unto them, whether they will hear or whether they will forbear, for they are most rebellious. But thou, son of man, hear what I say unto thee. Be not rebellious like that rebellious house. Open thy mouth and eat that I give thee. And when I looked, behold, an hand was sent unto me, and lo, a roll of a book was, there, was therein. And he spread it before me, and it was written within and without, and there was written therein lamentations and mournings and woe. Heavenly Father, we do ask you this morning to give us liberty and vocabulary. I pray that you bless the reading of thy word. Lord, I do not want to say or do anything that would magnify the flesh in any way. But, oh God, I pray that you'd be glorified and magnified. May the Spirit of God do what needs to be done in our midst, and we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated this morning. I want to draw your attention here in just a moment to verse number 1. And I want to preach on this subject this morning on the making of a real man of God. The making of a real man of God. I would say on the outset of this uh, message this morning that we know that God has raised Ezekiel up, that he's brought him down in captivity. He's by the river Kibar there, uh, just outside of Babylon. And God has raised him up. Daniel is in Babylon and Dan Daniel is taking a stand and Ezekiel is down by the river of Kibar and he is preaching and prophesying and he is taking a stand. You know, God always has a man somewhere, doesn't he? And when you think about it, in this passage here this morning, it resembles a lot of where the nation of Israel was in their captivity as to where America is at today. You see, the people of God was living in captivity. The punishment of God is soon to come. The judgment of God is going to be announced. In fact, Ezekiel is going after five years of being there by that river, he is going to announce that the judgment of God is coming and it's going to come within just six years. In fact, if you go back to the book of uh, chapter number one, the first 24 chapters of Ezekiel has to do with the fall of Judah as Ezekiel predicts that this nation is going to fall. I want to say this morning that if God doesn't bring judgment and he is bringing judgment upon America, he'd have to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah uh, for what he did unto them. But we know that God is a righteous judge, a fair judge, and America is a nation that is under the judgment of God. And Ezekiel talks about the fall of Judah in chapters 1 through 24. And then he talks about the foes of Judah in chapter 25 through chapter 32. He mentions all the foes of Judah in those chapters. He talks about Ammon and Moab and Edom and Philistia. And he talks about Tyre and Sidon and Egypt. All these nations that will be the enemies of the people of God. And then in the closing chapters, chapter 
43 throughout chapter 48, he talks about the future of Judah. For God does not forget his people, amen? I'm telling you, America may be under judgment this morning, but God's still got a man and God's still got people and God's not forgotten us, amen? He talks about the nation's troubles are gonna be removed in chapters 33 through 36. The nation's tribes are gonna be regathered in chapters 37 through 39. And then he talks about the temple is going to be rebuilt in chapters 40 through 47. And then he tells us that their title, Israel's title, is going to be restored in chapter 48. I wanna say I'm glad this morning that God is not through with the Jew, amen? If you go back to chapter one, what God does for Ezekiel is he lets Ezekiel see the glory of God. He lets him see a vision in chapter number one. He sees the vision of a cherubim. He sees the vision of a chariot. He sees the vision of Christ as he sits upon the throne. Why is that? Because God is inspiring his man before he instructs his man. You know, that's what God will do in the life of a preacher. God will call him to preach. God will inspire him. He'll, he'll put something down in his heart, a desire to serve him. The Bible said if any man desires the office of a bishop, he desires a good work. Can I get an amen right there? And so God inspires his man, but then God instructs his man. And when we get to chapter number two, that's what God is doing. He's getting Ezekiel ready to do his will, to do his work. Oh, we need men of God in this hour that would be ready to do God's will and to do God's work this morning. He's instructing him. Now, don't die on me this morning. Let's shout during the singing. Let's shout during the preaching. Amen? And so this morning, uh, he's getting Ezekiel ready. Ezekiel's about 35 years of age. And for about 20 years, he's going to prophesy to a people that's not going to want to hear. They're not going to want to uh, repent. You see, God has called preachers to the kingdom for such a time as this. Amen? I can't do anything about the circumstances and the times that we're living in. I can't do anything about the condition that America is in uh, this morning. But I do believe God has raised men up in this hour to be real men of God and to stand strong and to stand tall and to preach the Bible as it is and as it ought to be. It's not going to be popular. It's not going to, listen, it's not going to win a popularity contest. Uh, But this generation deserves to hear the truth uh, uh, just like every generation before. I want you to notice this morning uh, the importance of the making of a real man of God. You say, preacher, why would you preach this on Sunday morning? I'll tell you why. Uh, Number one, because God laid it on my heart, amen? And then number two, because we need to be reminded to love men of God and to pray for men of God, not just your pastor, but men of God that we know to hold their hands up and to stand behind them as they stand in the gap and make up the hedge uh, and we need to to instruct and inspire a younger generation uh, to love preachers preachers in an hour when preachers are under attack uh, and when others are uh, listening or criticizing them. We need to raise up a generation that loves men of God. Amen. I thank God for the generation that was before me. They taught me to love, not just me, but others. They taught us to, to love those men of God. To, they were flesh, and, and I know they were flesh, and, uh, but yet we're to love them for the gospel and the word that they preach. And You're always gonna have somebody say something about a preacher. Can I get a witness on that? Amen. They'll make little statements like this. Well, you know, preachers are flesh, uh, just like everyone else. You probably heard that. And they'll make statements like, well, I don't believe in putting a man on a pedestal, and certainly we don't believe that, but you've 
heard that. They'll say some things like this. Some people don't think preachers do any wrong. You've probably heard somebody make statements like that. You know, but it's interesting. They don't feel that way about their grandchildren. Amen. I'm telling you, listen, they don't think them same crowd. They don't think their grandchildren do no wrong. They don't, listen, they don't mind putting them on a pedestal. And they don't think that, listen, they're just flesh. They think they're little angels. Amen. They're little fallen angels. They're little demons is what they are until they get bored again. But they'll make statements like that. Now, let me tell you something. I know if I hit a stump, I'm just going to, listen, I'm just going to run slap over it. Amen. But I'm telling you this morning, there's a major lack of respect for men of God. There's a major lack of respect for authority in this hour. Hey, listen, you always got some backslid, mossy back crowd. Listen, they won't support a preacher or they'll support him until he gets on their sin and he preaches and busts their height. And then all of a sudden when something gets in their crawl, you know what they'll do? They'll say, well, now we don't want to put the preacher on a pedestal. Or listen, you know he's just flesh. No, that's not it. Amen. You got something in your heart that you need to get right with God about this morning. I'm just telling you that's the way it is. Amen. Five things about the making of a real man of God. I want to tell you this morning, I've been around preachers, I listen, almost all of my Christian life. I am a preacher this morning, so I feel like I can make this statement. I want to tell you there are some preachers out there. They're full of carnality and selfishness and arrogance. They're rude and even nasty at times. Some of them are full of drama and bitterness and strife and contention. Some of them are full of jokes. All they know how to do is clown around and never be sober-minded. They ought to quit preaching and they ought to go get them a job and join the circus, amen? Because they'd make a good bozo. You know what I'm talking about. Some are full of greed and gain and glory, and they're never gonna be second to anyone. It's all about them. It's not about him. We all know people like that. But at the same time, I wanna say this. They're not all that way, amen? I remind you and me this morning that the only reason we're sitting where we're sitting at this morning is because the grace of God called some men and put them in our lives who were faithful men that preached the Bible that lived right and stood right and cared for our soul this morning, amen I'm not going to let one bad apple spoil the whole bushel am I telling it right this morning how you say, well, preacher, you're preaching for yourself. If you believe that, you're crippled too high for crutches, amen? I'm telling you, I'm not preaching for a pat on the back. I'm not preaching for a raise in salary. I'm not preaching this morning so that somebody will put me, listen, if you, nobody would, but if you put me on a pedestal, I'm gonna get off of it because I don't want God killing me, amen? But I'm here to tell you this morning, we need to love men of God. We need to pray for men of God. We need to pray for preachers. We need to pray for evangelists uh, and we need to pray for missionaries this morning the old saying is preachers are a dime a dozen and that's true but real men of God are few and far between notice the man in verses 1 through 3 Ezekiel was a man of God can I get a witness on that I want to tell you about this man in verses one through three. He's the reflection of what a real man of God must be. You say, what do you mean? Well, first of all, I see that he must be saved. The Bible said that he said unto me, notice what he said. He uses this little phrase, son of man. You know, that's the terminology that Jesus used referring to himself in the book of Luke. In the book of Luke, Jesus is the son of man. And Ezekiel is referred to here 
as the son of man. Ezekiel is not the Messiah. He is not the Christ, uh, but he is a reflection. He's an image uh, of the Christ that is to come. Can I tell you this morning, as Christians, that's what we're supposed to be. We're supposed to be a little Christ, uh, a reflection of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what it means to be born again. And a man of God must be saved. Amen? We got a lot of men standing in pulpits today. I don't believe they even know God. I believe they're just feeling it as a job. But thank God for those who are saved this morning. And a real man of God must be saved. And a real man of God must be stable. Look what he said. He said, stand upon thy feet. Amen? I'm gonna tell you, a man of God must be willing to take a stand. He must be stable. He must stand on his own two feet. You can't be a preacher always leaning on man. You gotta learn to lean on God and you can't lean on yourself. The songwriter said the arm of flesh will surely fail you and you dare not trust your own. But I'll tell you where we stand. We stand not in our strength but we stand in the strength of the one who called us and the one who saved us and a real man of God. He must be saved and he must be stable. Amen. A real man of God must be spoken to. Look at verse number one. He said, and I will speak unto thee. You know what every preacher that's God called desires? Service in and service out, Sunday after Sunday, Wednesday after Sunday. It's not that we get a sermon off the internet and come and preach it. Got four amens there. It's not that we go down the road and we hear some classic sermons and we get up and preach it. Oh, no. But it's that we hear something fresh off the altar. It's that we that God speaks to our heart. I'm gonna tell you, a sermon's not in an outline. A sermon's not in a title. Nothing wrong with having any of that. A sermon is not this morning in a delivery. It's not in the mechanics of the preacher's voice uh, or in his mannerism. Uh, that's, there's a lot of men, they mimic mannerisms. Uh, they mimic, uh, uh, listen, deliveries of other men. Uh, I tell you, a real man of God will just be the man God called him to be. Amen. I can't be this preacher and I can't be that preacher. I can only be the preacher God. God called me to be. I don't, I'm not in competition with other preachers. Uh, uh, listen, God's men are God's men. Uh, uh, God raises them up. Uh, but the one thing every preacher needs to have in common is we need the Holy Ghost. Uh, uh, we need God to speak to us uh, and give us what we need to say. Amen. I don't want to just grab a sermon and preach. But I want God to speak to me. I want to say a man of God must be spoken to. Look at verse number two. He must be spirit filled. The Bible says, and the spirit entered into me. We have preachers today not filled with the spirit. How am I going to stand up here this morning and tell you that every day of my life I've been filled with the Holy Spirit. I strive for it. It's my desire. It's my, I tell you, I get frustrated when I don't, not at the Lord, but at my own self. I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit every day of my life. I can be filled with the Spirit and so can you. And when I'm not, it's not God's fault. It's not the Bible's fault. It's not the Spirit's fault. It's this old flesh that we live in. But I'll tell you, a real man of God has to recognize that he cannot preach in his own power, in his own strength. It's not going to be what others say. It's going to, listen, he can't do anything. We can preach the Bible, but it's just dead orthodoxy. If God don't breathe on it, if the Holy Ghost don't touch it, you know what a real man of God's looking for in every service. Uh, he's not looking for what he says, uh, but he's looking for the moving of the Spirit of God. Uh, and real men of God uh, must be filled with the Holy Spirit. We don't hear much preaching on that anymore, do we? And then he must be surrendered. Look at verse number two. 
The Bible said that when he spake to me and set me upon my feet, I heard him that spake to me. Ezekiel is not doing anything in verse 2. God's doing every bit of it. Lord, the Lord is doing the speaking. He's giving the orders. He's telling him what to do. And he's just being surrendered. He's just being sensitive. He said that he set me, spake unto me, and he set me upon my feet. And I heard him that spake. He is sensitive to the Spirit of God. I'll tell you this morning, you may not be a preacher, but listen, you can be a man of God. You don't have to be a preacher to be a man of God. I'll tell you, to be a man of God, you gotta be saved. And you gotta be surrendered. And you need to be spirit-filled. And you need to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit and you need to be stable. You need to lead your home in the right manner. Hey listen there's too many homes that are struggling today because mama's trying to hold the spiritual uh, things together. I'm going to tell you the responsibility of spirituality is not laid on the mother. It's laid on the father. He's the head of the home. At the judgment seat every day is going to give an account to God uh, for how they led their home uh, and you're to lead them in faith. Uh, It's not about standing at the judgment seat and saying, well, did you work hard? Did you pay all your bills? Did you put food on the table and clothes on their back? Oh, no. It's gonna be, what did you do for your family spiritually? Did you lead them in the right direction? Amen. I'm saying this morning he must be sensitive and then he must be sent. The Bible said in verse number three, and he said unto me, son of man, I send thee to the children of Israel. God sends his man where he wants him to go. Men do not get to choose the congregation, the mission field, the, 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 the format of service. I, I always get tickled and I understand it because I was there myself one day Young men, a lot of times say, well, I want to be this and I want to be that. Just be what God wants you to be. Just wait for God to open the right door. Don't let man open the door. Don't you kick the door open. Can I get an amen right there? It needs to happen in God's time. And God, when God knows you're ready, and if God puts you out there, you'll never have to put yourself out there. But if you put yourself out there, you'll have to do it the rest of your life. Amen. I'm telling you as a man, you may not be a preacher this morning, but God gave you the family that he wants you to have. He puts you in the church. He wants you to be in. It's not the family of your choice. It's not the church of your choice. Hey, it's not the companion of your choice. Can I get an amen right there? It's not the children of your choice. I mean, listen, you, God puts you where you're at because he wants you to be there. You ought to lead. Can I get a witness right there? The man, the ministry. Look at his ministry in verse number three. I see that these are, this is a redeemed nation. He calls them the children of Israel. It's God's people that he's being called to. But they're not just redeemed, they're rebellious. He said in verse number three, he said to a rebellious nation that hath rebelled against me. I mean, think about this nation. They've rebelled, not just once, but God said it's been repetitive. He said that their fathers have transgressed against me, even unto this very day. This is a nation that has sinned and sinned and sinned and sinned against God. It proves the mercy and the long-sufferingness of God, that God is willing to be merciful. God is willing to be long-suffering. God is willing to forgive sins. Can I get an amen right there? I'll tell you what else it proves. Sin is not without its consequences because God is raising Ezekiel up to tell them judgment is coming. It's inevitable because of the way that you live. What's interesting 
is judgment is not coming to Israel because of the sin of sinners, but because of the sin of saints. You think about this this morning. When we think about the judgment that's upon America this morning, we think about them murdering a million babies a year, and rightfully so. We think about them legalizing same-sex marriage and abomination before God, and rightfully so. We think about all the sins of America that, listen, the gambling and the booze and the pornography and all the things that America has done and rightfully so. I'll tell you, those are wicked sins. Those are ungodly sins. Listen, shacking up and just marrying and giving in marriage, all of that is sin and God and sinners say it's okay and no doubt God is angry with the wicked every day. I'm gonna tell you something, judgment begins at the house of God and God's anger this morning toward this nation is not toward just those sinners out there that's doing the only thing that they know but it's because of the apathy and the complacency and just just sitting in the church house doing nothing and never taking a stand for God it's because of the silence and the ungratefulness and the unholiness and the worldliness and all the ungodliness that the church has allowed, allowed to filter in that's what's upset God See, we're the salt of the earth. The hope for America is God, the gospel, and the church. And this morning, I think you would agree with me, America would not be in the shape she's in this morning if the church was having revival. Amen. I'm telling you this morning, our churches long before today have been at ease in Zion for so long. We're reaping the seeds that we have sown. Not what they have sown, but what we have sown. I'm telling you, when, I met, when, when the church got in the business world, and the church got into all the sports world and the church got into all the things. Uh, I mean, people are so ultra sensitive today. You can just about say anything. I can understand an old sinner getting mad because they don't know God. But I'll tell you what bothers me. If somebody says they've been in church for 35 years and loves Jesus uh, and can't take a little bit of preaching, amen, uh, and they get upset to man of God uh, and they go down the road and join another church because it's a little bit easier and there's no demands and there's nothing said about anything. I can understand a sinner wanting to get out of church at 12 o'clock because uh, they're counting the minutes. Uh, but what about all the church members sitting in church on Sunday morning and when 12 o'clock comes, they start packing up because uh, they got a roast in the oven. Y'all go ahead and say amen this morning. Uh, they start packing up uh, because they got somewhere else they gotta be because they've scheduled more on Sunday than what they ought to. And Sunday's no longer the Lord's Day. I'm probably not gonna finish this sermon. I'll tell you, I'm just gonna dig around right here for a little bit this morning. I'm telling you, listen, if this world needs anything, I'll tell you what this country and what churches need. They need some men of God that'll stand up with a backbone like a saw log, amen, and with steel in their soul and the spirit of God in their heart and a good King James Bible and a preach like a dying man to dying people. Not care about a paycheck, not care about an amen, but just preach the devil out there. This crowd, amen. I'm telling you, listen, we need to put the devil on the run in our churches today. And preaching on sin is what brings revival. You say, I don't like that. Well, the devil don't like it neither. Amen, join him. I'm just saying this morning, the ministry 
He said, is there rebellious people? And then the motive, why would God, this is the question that comes to my mind. God, why would you even deal with this crowd? If they're as rebellious and they are as God says they are, why, wouldn't, why would God even send that crowd a preacher? Why wouldn't God just let that crowd just go off into captivity? Why would God just not even annihilate them? The answer is in verse four. For they are impudent children and stiff-hearted. I do send thee unto them, and thou shalt say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God. And they, whether they will hear or whether they will forbear, for they are rebellious people, here's the answer. Yet shall they know that there hath been a prophet among them. Verse four, the preaching, the people in verse five, the purpose in verse number five. You know why God is sending Ezekiel to this rebellious crowd? Because one day they're gonna stand before God and they'll not be without excuse. They'll not be without a witness. God will remind them that in your day of rebellion, in your day of turning against me, you were not without a prophet. You had a voice. You heard the truth. I'm telling you there's a lot of places today they don't want the truth anymore. They want to come in. They want to have their service. They want to do their little thing and they want to go back the way, the same way they came. They don't want any preaching that puts demands on their life. They don't want a man of God to get up and to get in their face and preach. I'm going to tell you preaching's confrontation. Amen. Uh, brother, listen, ever since the day I've been saved, you know that? Uh, I mean, ever since the day I got saved, uh, God's always had a man uh, that's had a message burning in his soul uh, that didn't care about my feelings, uh, didn't care about how much I was putting in the offering plate, uh, and he got right down to where I lived, uh, and he plowed my tater patch up, uh, and he plowed my roll real close and real tight. Uh, oh, I thank God, don't you, uh, for some preachers uh, that had some holy boldness about him. Uh, they weren't mean-spirited. Uh, they weren't ugly, they weren't nasty, they just wasn't backing up, amen? And they preached, and it helped my soul, hallelujah. Their motive was this. It's burning on the inside. It's gotta come out. I couldn't tell you the times I said, Lord, I don't know if I can preach that. Lord, so-and-so's gonna get mad if I preach that. I've told God, I've said that to the Lord. Lord, you know how they're living. And if they're there this Sunday and I preach that, well, they're going to get mad. Sometimes they wouldn't, but sometimes they would. But you got to preach it. Sometimes I say, Lord, it's 12 o'clock and you want me to preach. And God said, I want you to preach. You know how preaching is? You start out kindly not knowing how this thing's going to go. And you kindly, you know, but I'll tell you if God gets on you, I'm telling you, it wouldn't matter if you was preaching all of hell. Hey, just something on the inside starts turning. Chapter, said, so what is that? You have to read chapter one when you go home. It's that wheel inside that wheel. It starts turning. And I'll tell you, after a while, you just like, you just, I mean, it's just like a bull seeing red. Amen. I mean, you can't see nobody in the building. I, listen, if some of you are mad at me right now, I can't even see you, amen? I mean, if some of you are looking at your watch, uh, it's 11.58, and I'm not even close to getting done, so don't get your pocketbook and don't go nowhere, so, amen? I'm telling you, just sit tight for just a few more minutes, amen? It won't hurt you. Can I get a witness on that this morning? Uh, it ain't gonna hurt you to get in overtime. You're not that busy this morning. Uh, I tell you, you need to sit here, and I need to preach, uh, and we all need to hear what thus saith the Lord. Isn't that right? Uh, I'm not being mean. The 
this morning. I'm just saying freeing our people is destroyed because of a lack of knowledge. And there's not a sin. And there's not a problem in America this morning. The politicians can't fix it. And I'll tell you, preachers, and mount this pulpit once again. I'm telling you, and preach as if it's the last sermon they're ever going to preach. A God could rock this nation one more time and bring it back to its knees. I'm telling you, preaching, we'll get the job done. Hallelujah. Saved my life so many times I can't remember. It's delivered me from so many snares. I'm telling you, it's kept my home right. It's helped me raise my children. It's helped us raise those kids. I'm telling you, preaching has pulled me out of the valley. It's lifted me out of the pit. It brought me out of the dung hills of this world. Preaching, amen, put me on the right path. Preaching encouraged my heart. Preaching lifted my spirit. Preaching built my faith. Thank God. God for old time preaching, hallelujah. Woo, praise God, I feel good, hallelujah. Felt a little tightness in my chest when I started. I tell you, I think I've cleaned all them arteries out this morning. Don't you thank God for old time preaching this morning? I, I tell you, preach it to me when it's right. I, I preach it to me when I'm wrong. I, I preach it when I'm happy. But preach it to me when I'm sad. I, preach it when they're glad. I, but preach it when they're mad. I, I'm telling you, just preach, hallelujah. It'll help you this morning. I see the motive. I want you to notice the mission this morning. He said in verse number six, he said, I want you to be fearless. He said, and thou son of man, be not afraid of them, neither be afraid of their words. Though briars and thorns be with thee, and thou doest well among the scorpions. He said, be not afraid of their words, nor be dismayed at their looks, though they be a rebellious house. You say, preacher, this is probably the age-old question. Why do preachers look so mean when they preach? Have you ever thought that? Now, I hope I, I, hope I don't look mean. I've asked my wife that question for years, and she'll never answer it. She pleads the fifth every time. You say, preacher, why, why do preachers look so mean? Well, number one, we're mad at the devil. Number two, come up here. Look out across the congregation. A hundred people can be smiling. And one old, listen, one old backslid stink and have their tongue stuck out. And I'm telling you, preachers are like a coon. Listen, they're like a coon dog when they coon a tree. You find that one, eight man got that frown on their face. Uh, if a man of God's worth his salt, uh, if you think a frown uh, or sticking your tongue out is gonna run us off, oh no, friend. Uh, we just know we just, we just treat ones what we did, amen. Uh, I'm telling you, we're like a coon dog on the trail. Uh, uh, we're gonna hunt you down uh, and we're gonna take this old 1611 uh, with both barrels, amen. Uh, we're gonna pull the trigger at the same time and hope to God you get right. Somebody say, woo, hallelujah. I feel like preaching right now. I'm telling you, we're gonna take that old gospel good and by the good grace of God, we're gonna blow that smile right off your face, amen, or that frown, hallelujah, should I say. We're gonna blow that frown off your face, amen. I'm talking about be fearless and then I wanna say not only be fearless, but look at verse number seven. He said to be faithful, amen. He said, but thou shalt, notice this, but thou shalt speak my words unto them, whether they hear or whether they forbear. No matter what the response is, he said, just be faithful. I was preaching about three years ago in a place and I was, the Lord put a message on my heart. It wasn't a mean message. 
It was only world evangelism. And I feared that the place that I was at, or I was concerned, not feared. I said, Lord, they don't believe in world evangelism. And I'm sitting there in that pew, and the Lord said, that's what I want you to preach. I said, Lord, help me have a right spirit. Lord, help me not to have an ax to grind. Help me to deliver it to be a help, not a hindrance. And I preached it. And I've never been back. <laughs> they were kind. They didn't say amen like some of you sitting here this morning. <laughs> and I knew halfway in that sermon, I said, I'm done here. <laughs> I said, Lord, I tried to tell you. <laughs> amen. I don't know why that's funny, but it is. Amen. <laughs> and I knew, I, I said, ah, I'm not coming back here no more. But I'm going to tell you something. I, I got in the car and went home and I had peace. More peace than if I'd have pulled something out and preached that I thought they wanted to hear rather than what they needed to know. I didn't do it with a bad spirit. God knows my heart. I didn't get up and rake nobody over the coals. I just, I actually, I just preached a simple message. But I believe in world evangelism, don't you? And it's in that Bible. And um, we ought to be faithful. A man of God is to preach when the house is full this morning. I thank God for that. There may come a day when it's not full. And if it comes, the preacher is to be faithful. And so is the membership. I'll stop and park here for about one minute. It's easy to go to church when the house is full and the choir is full and everybody's shouting and everybody's singing. But it takes real faithfulness to stay in a place when you've watched family after family after family, people you've worshipped with and people you've loved, when you watch them leave. I'm saying that while the sun is shining in this church. I'll tell you, when people you've worshipped with for years pull up and go somewhere else, if the man of God has not deviated from the truth, if he's not immoral in his, in his way of living or preaching false doctrine, don't you pull up and go somewhere where it's easy. You stay faithful. You know what I've seen down through the years? I've watched people talk about preachers because they left the church when it got tough and rough and they said, man, you know, he should have stayed there. But then I've watched them do the same thing. I'll tell you, there's something to be said about people that'll stay with the church. I'm not talking about when it's dead and just went off into the graveyard, but I'm talking about there'll be some longevity this morning. Then I close this morning with the message. Look at verse number eight the source of his message. He said, but thou, son of man, hear what I say unto thee. The source of the preacher's message is what God says. The submission of his message, be not thou rebellious like that rebellious house. Open thy mouth and eat that I give thee. You know, I remember growing up, how many of y'all remember this? Parents said you got to clean everything on your plate. Y'all remember that? My question was as a child is, why don't you put better stuff on it? But I never asked that. Or I would have dentures today as a result of it. Ten years old with dentures. Because I opened my mouth. My mom would put things on the plate that I didn't understand why. She would put vegetable. Y'all know that vegetable mix junk? It's orange, green, and white. Straight out of a can. 
who feeds their kid? I mean, you know, <laughs> salmon patties and green beans. That's what we ate. I heard somebody say that's good. No, it's not good. <laughs> I'd see my mom. I'd come walking through the kitchen. I'd see that big old red can with a sword on the fr- swordfish on the front, and I mean, like a can of dog food, brother. Lady, she. Was <laughs> I went outside, Brother David. I thought, not eating that mess. They, and now they say, don't overfeed your kids. Why didn't somebody tell our generation that? Put it on the plate so you're going to sit there and eat it till you eat it all. So then I'd sit there and it'd be stone cold. I'd rather be beat with hickories than eat some of that stuff. But they made us eat it. And I can remember mashed potatoes, homemade mashed potatoes. Can you believe that? I didn't like them. My mom said, you're going to eat every one of them. She'd put them on there. I, felt, I didn't fear the lunchroom cafeteria. I felt like I had one at home. <laughs> we came through, slop, slop. We came through, and we sat down. She's going to eat that now. It's all we got. Starving people in Africa. I thought a few times about joining them starving people in Africa. <laughs> She'd put that on the plate. And I'd eat that stuff. Boy, I hope my mom don't hear this, but it probably ain't anything I hadn't already told her. So, But, uh, you know, we would eat that stuff, and I'd eat it, and I'd think, man, this is terrible, this is terrible. But then one day, I put some mashed potatoes in my mouth. I thought, you know, it's not so bad. That's good. And after a while, I started liking some of that stuff. Not all of it, but some of it. And I started eating that stuff and it is amazing. Some of the things I did not like, I ate it. But I'll tell you one thing about all of it. Whether I liked it or not, it was good for me. And whether I liked it or not, it kept me alive. Somebody say amen. We didn't have the best. We didn't have the best. Uh, I tell you, my, my mother did what she could with the money she had. And, and listen, we ate. Uh, if it wouldn't have been for Laura Lynn, our whole family would have died. Amen. Uh, but I'm telling you, she bought everything. Uh, Laura Lynn this and Laura Lynn that. Uh, I'd like to meet her one day and shook her hand because she kept her whole family alive. Some of y'all don't even know what I'm talking about. Uh, I'm telling you, but we ate uh, We ate it and it kept us alive. Uh, and it kept us strong. Uh, and it kept us going. You know, that's the way of preaching the word of God is. Uh, you know, I go like everything. That served up, but just go ahead and open your mouth and swallow it. It'll make you strong. It'll help you. Hey, it'll keep you alive. It'll keep a church alive. I don't like preaching everything I preach, but I tell you one thing: I don't want the decay of this world to start creeping in. Oh, thank God for some old time Holy Ghost, heartfelt preaching. Thank God for some men and a preach of the Word of God. Hallelujah. This morning, the source, the submission, the sending, the spreading out of the message. I won't preach it, but look at verse number 10. He spread it before him. You know what God does for a preacher on Saturday night? Spreads that sermon out before him. He said, preach that right there. And then the subject. Look what his subject was. Lamentations, mourning, and woe. This morning... Preaching will help you. It'll strengthen you. It will save you if you're lost. If you're here this morning and you say, Brother Gravely, I I don't go to church and I don't even understand what you're talking about. You just hang around here a little while. You just stay under the preaching of God's word. 
Because I'm going to tell you, it'll help you, friend. Whatever the need is in your life, Holy Ghost preaching will grab a hold of you. I've had, we've had people come to this church and say they were saved. The first time I shook Brother Chris Thomas's hand, right back there, when I shook hands with him the first time, the Holy Ghost spoke to me and said, he's not saved, pray for him. And it's not that way with everybody, but it has been a few times. You just hang around. You just stay under that preaching. And when it makes you mad, you go home and pray about it. Is that right? No, don't go home and pray about it. Come on down here and pray about it. And just let it, just, it'll help you. Thank God for the man of God, the preaching. I'm not talking about your pastor this morning or just your pastor, but I'm talking about, don't you think, you know why Jubilee's so great? Because of preaching. God's men coming in and feeding our souls.